This week's episode is brought to you by the like 8,000 miles an hour wind I'm dealing with over here today. Hopefully, my internet stays solid. Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. As McCarr jumps in, moves it and shoots back! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio, Colorado Avalanche Hockey Podcast from May 10th, 2021, which is still somehow a regular season episode. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to all who celebrate, and if it's a rough day for you for whatever reason, thinking about you as well. Coming up on the show, some pretty inconsequential hockey games happened in California this week, but at least they happened late at night, so no one had to watch them. Joining me, as always, are Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Hello, hello. On Monday, Avs win 5-4 over the San Jose Sharks in overtime. Because, of course, it went to overtime. This was a 10-30 Eastern start. I don't even really want to read the goal scores list for this game because this was a goaltending loss for the Sharks pretty cleanly. Uh, Grubauer, not quite good enough, but Martin Jones, just buddy. Second period of this <laughs> game for Colorado is probably the worst period of hockey we've seen from them all season. They had two shots on goal. Two. Count them. Then on Wednesday, Tyson Jones and Andre Burakovsky score late in the second before the Avs give up three unanswered in an uninspiring third period collapse. Maybe not as rancid as the second on Monday was. This was a gross two games, and the two points they did get were not exactly earned. What happened? Yeah, I. this is... I mean... You could tell Bednar was just really clawing his eyes out at this stuff. Um, Same. (laughs) I just don't understand how they can play that bad for two games against San Jose like that. Um, You can understand, you know, dropping, you know, dropping a deuce on a game like that, but um, sort of two in a row where they just look like they didn't belong on the ice. Um, you know, maybe they've just had it. Maybe it's just, we need to wrap this regular season up as soon as possible, just for everyone's sanity and health. Um, but this, this was just, it looked like nobody wanted to be there, especially in the the third period of the, the Wednesday game. That one was the most disappointing because they had the lead. It's just like, come on, (laughs) you know, sometimes things happen. The other team Wars, whatever, and they're having a game. But it's like, no, they just straight up handed that one away. And and those two points might end up mattering the difference in winning the division or not. So they shouldn't have felt like they could have just acted so casual about, about it. Like, I'm mentally and emotionally exhausted. I'm sure they are too, but... You can't just hand games away like that. And it was the top players. That's kind of also the the more disappointing part. Like, yeah, they're allowed to have an off game or whatever. Like, they're human, but they were the ones that caused the loss. Just for context, though, this is their only loss in the last six games. So, in, it, I know the expectations are high, but it's just you, you can't win them all. No, um, it it could have you, been one of two losses, and or it it probably should have been one of two losses, and could have been one of three. Yeah, 
But you also wow. need to win games that you have a two goal lead in the third period. Yeah. Right. And and with one minute left in the second period is basically the third period. Yeah. I did. I just. I. That whole shift. I did not. You know. The, the, my problem was is that I knew what had happened when I watched it. So it's like I was ready for that final minute of the second period, and you're just like, no, no, come on, just a little more effort there, and but no. Well, at, at least uh, they came out strong in the third period by uh, by doing whatever that was. <laughs> so I mean, but at the end of this game on uh, on on Wednesday. We had a lot of people that were, like, ready for the Makara-Taves pairing to no longer be a thing. Um, <laughs> for for reasons that I think are are pretty understandable. Like, they had some plays in this collapse, in both collapses, that were just like, you've got one defender and the other is caught somewhere else because they're just completely not on the same page. Uh, that didn't last, but for those two games, that just kind of a mess there. The top line... I, I don't even know. Well, the so, thing is, when you talk about Makar and Taves, like, they're going to be out there most of the time. And, and especially... Especially when the top lines is going to be out. They're pretty much always going to be with them. Uh, so basically, anything that happens bad or good, they're you know there's a good chance they're going to be on the ice for it. So credit or blame, they're going to take a lot of it. I don't think it was a coincidence, though. <laughs> they, uh... They were out. No, and I, I've been critical of Makar's defense a lot this year, and I and I think rightly so. I, I you know, I, I just think that it's it's a part of his game that we're you know we're, we're still in the early stages of finding out what he's going to be. But it also I think he's going to be fine. But it's just as McNabb keeps talking about, he's he's not even at a hundred regular season games yet. So um, the skill is there, the talent is there, the brain is there, but it's just there are certain things that experience will help him with that, that you just, you can't accelerate. And there were definitely times, like I think it was the second goal in on Wednesday, I think is the one it was, where Makar is left alone to defend a three-on-one. Like, there's, there's no winning decision here. And he makes no. maybe the losingest possible decision. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> like, okay, you were, you were definitely screwed. And, but you, but there are other things you could have done that maybe you were less screwed if you did them. I don't know. It's just like, and then of course you know if, if Grubauer makes a save, it's it's all fine. Yeah, I was gonna say it also wasn't just him on a lot of those. Yeah, I don't think it was inherently a problem of them being paired up. I don't see any long term problem with them playing together. Well, just kinda... all right, then then why did they? Why did they get broken up several weeks ago? Or they might. They've tried much. everything. I honestly, I, I don't. I know that we look for reason and meaning a, a lot of what we talk about. I just don't know anymore. They, they've had to make so many changes because of who's been in and out of the lineup. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure there's any rhyme or reason to it anymore. Right, but all right. If we're in this stretch, you've got. Toza McCarr and Graves and Timmons. And that's your top four. So, you know, what? why why isn't Graves with McCarr like he was, 
you know, when after they made the switch away from Taves and Makar together, like, you know, what what is it getting you to stack your top pair like that and then have sort of a, you know, I mean, Timmons is playing great, so it's not that iffy, but it's, you know, it's not the best second pair you can imagine. I think also it's sort of what Graves needs, like... It's sort of the same dynamic when it was Graves and Byram is the dynamic of <clears throat> Graves and Timmons. I think it's also, so what I'm getting at is it's like to help Graves too, because you have to find a certain role for him. Like he can't be a minder and he's not great in that fully like third pair role with say like Nemeth. No. So he Boy. needs to be with somebody <laughs> that has that has puck skills. So you, you could say, okay, then why not him and Makar? But they seem to not really want to do Taze and Timmons. So. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. I I think it's more that dynamic. So I think it's about balancing it because I think if you really are trying to limit that third pair, then you also have to watch who who's on that. Yeah. And, and like, all right, Taves gets a lot of praise, and rightly so. I mean, he's been a fantastic pickup. Um, he does a lot of things well. Um, but I, but I do think he gets sort of overrated in certain areas. Um, like the best we've seen him basically all year is, I mean, other than the last two games, he's he's been really good with McCarr. But in general, the best he's been is with Sam Gerrard. Um, when. And they sort of went to putting Taves and Sam together and then and then putting Graves back with Carr. Um, you know, Taves seemed a lot more comfortable with that. Um, and, and it's not like, I, I don't think he needs a minder. It's just, I, I think he needs someone a little bit better than Makar defensively to be able to do what he does so well. I can see that. And that's that's possible. It's like a temporary thing too because i'm sure sam will be back so they don't need to like have a long-term plan of him not in the lineup crossing fingers and toes touching wood what else do we do sam's a superhero he'll be back soon yeah he's a machine i'm not worried about him (laughs) he'll be back he beat covid <laughs> yeah, that's an old he, he punched, Out of COVID protocol, playing the next day. Punched COVID in the face. Um, <laughs> so an, another interesting thing about Wednesday's game was it was the NHL debut for Alex Newhook, and uh, I don't think any of us really expected him to join the NHL roster. But and we're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, but first, let's talk about the other two games he played in on Friday. Avs win three two over the LA Kings. Uh, Joe Smiko Rantanen and Kale McCarr, your goal scorers here. Nathan McKinnon was held out for some kind of unknown lower body problem. That's the level of coverage this team was willing to allow. The superstar is out with an um, injury. You'll find out whether he's healthy yeah. when he takes an opening draw sometime in the future. Yeah. This it game might not I, be bad. It might. It who might knows? Be, well, nah. This, we're not really going to tell you. This game also saw, Pat, saw Patrick Nemeth go into the boards right on his damn neck. And he that didn't. That was vile. Yeah, he didn't return, but he played the next game. So I guess it was okay. And then on Saturday, the weekend of Kale continues. Avs win 3-2 again in front of Johansson this time. Two goals for Devon Taves, a goal and an assist for Makar. This is just kind of how the Kings season has gone, eh? Like, they play everybody tight, but ultimately they just can't get the win together. 
Yeah, what I mean, they're they're a good team. I I, I think even um, I think we've seen in the limited showings that that we've had against the Kings that they're a solid defensive team. They play a you know a trap. Um, they're very good at clogging the neutral zone, and the the big thing that that holds them back is they just can't generate any offense. I mean, the the shot totals from this weekend both were under twenty a game, um, and it just you know, it's good to aspire to be a very good defensive club, but if you're not scoring, you're not going to win. I think the Kings could have saw, they could have gone past St. Louis and sewed up the fourth place, um, you know, quite a while ago, if they could just find some offense and they just can't. And that that's tough to watch. They were playing pretty young lineup this weekend. And I thought their young guys for the most part did, pretty well so yeah it's it probably is just gonna be a matter of experience for some of those guys but they didn't make it easy for the abs which it's kind of this weird dichotomy of like it's clear the abs are the better team like they can just turn it on on a dime and the Kings announcers are like, oh, you know, we've held the Avs to three shots or whatever. And then just all of a sudden it's like 10 shots. <laughs> <laughs> and they so, heard y'all like, talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> so like when Pete said the game was boring last night and then Taves <laughs> scored the goal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was grindy at certain times. It was yeah. like what the Kings were doing was effective. Yeah, it was both teams it, on a back to back and you could tell. Yeah. But them being able to be effective at it for 60 minutes is is not what's going to happen. So that's kind of what it was. Like, they were able to play their game for a little bit, but then when the Avs were able to play their game, well, that was the big difference. Yeah, and, and when the Kings are able to get more NHL time for more of their young skaters, I think that the offense will kind of come along with them. So I it, we're not too far from seeing the... Uh, Mm, excuse me, seeing the LA Kings right back in the playoffs, like maybe even next season with the Pacific looking like a dumpster fire if we get back to normal yeah, divisions. I fully expect that. I mean, it, I, I I think they play the trap right now because they have to. And and that, you know, that, that always seems to have a negative effect on your offense, whether you mean it to or not. <clears throat> um, But it just, I, I think when they do start getting a little bit of the younger guys scoring then they won't have to trap like all the time and you know it, that's just sort of a a feedback loop that allows you to get better and better and and i do expect them to be one of the better teams pacific not that that's saying anything but you know and then as far as the mckinnon thing like i do believe it's not something serious i don't think they're hiding anything like that but I guess we'll see really how precautionary it was when he does or doesn't play against Vegas because that will kind of show their hand. Okay, let's talk about this. The The shift that he may or may not have hurt himself, I guess it was the first shift in the Sharks game. Um, he went off and did something and then came back a few minutes later. You, you're thinking he went off and got the freezy spray? I don't know. I thought, like, when I was watching it, I thought he, bro- like, cracked a skate blade or, or something like that. Because um, he was back, I, I, he might have missed, like, one or two shifts. 
Um, I'm, I have know, been that... missing the beginnings of periods lately, including first periods, so I didn't even know this happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't recall no, it... seeing him go off, but I... Yeah, because if I've you were watching, watching the San Jose broadcast, then the, apparently they didn't even mention it. No, which uh, I was, so... Right. So it's like, that might have been when, whenever it was, happened. But it, it wasn't something that happened on camera, so nobody knows what it is. Or nobody, and it could also know. explain a little bit. I don't want to make excuses, but it would explain a little bit of the their performance in San Jose... Even though right. I think McKinnon has just been sort of frustrated. <laughs> and when he gets frustrated, he's kind of visibly frustrated. <laughs> yeah. But um, it certainly didn't help. So Yeah, when, when he gets frustrated, he does things like take an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because he took a follow-through in the face and doesn't, doesn't seem to realize that that's not a penalty. <laughs> And for some reason, the ref is, the ref is so soft that he can't just say no, Nate, like twenty times. <laughs> like, are you? That's a penalty, really? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it happens He's, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there is, there's, there's always the magic word, and when you say that, you're basically just asking for a, a penalty. Well, got what he asked for, I guess. Um, <clears throat> So, Alex Newhook. Let's talk about Alex Newhook, because I figured we'd see him in October, the earliest. And uh, they called I... him up, and I think we talked about that last week. Yeah, because I think we were talking about when he would get in a game, and you were correct. Yeah, I think you said Wednesday, which was, which was the right answer. So um, I did. Yeah, you did. Uh... I guess a little surprised, maybe. I don't know. It's It makes sense. Like, he is in the upper tier of their prospects, and and he was scoring pretty good in the AHL, but I I don't know. And he was a first-round pick? Yeah. Well, that, 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 that itself doesn't mean anything, but he has some height. Well, not, so. maybe, not, maybe not to us. I mean, we're we're not NHL GMs who will continue to overpay a guy well into their late twenties because they were a first round pick. Well, I guess that'll help Bowers out someday. <laughs> Something oh. has to. Um, so Alex Newhook came in yeah, I... and has an assist now. He got a secondary assist on uh, on a goal on on uh, Friday. I think it was Makar's goal, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, on Makar's outrageous goal. So let, let's said some yeah, nice ones. let's talk a little bit about Alex Newhook's weekend and uh, how he fits in on this lineup and where he fits in in the future. Well, it's interesting because like... the first game Nate was out or Nate was in still, um, so he was with Kadri, who was playing wing for. I think that might be the first time since he's been with the Avs um, and Burakovsky, and then when Nate got hurt, they moved the the centers around and whatnot. And he got Comfer instead, which isn't as good. Um, but it's still you're playing NHL games, so that is good. Um, well, at least I, they haven't done the stick them on the fourth line, so they recognize they need to play him with somebody that can score. Um, I, I just, guess it sort of looks like the second line on paper. It's been more like the third line. Yeah, it's reality. definitely the third line. Yeah. 
Um, um, he's fit I, in I, well. I, I personally am not sure he's completely ready. Now, that does that mean that I think he shouldn't play or that he couldn't be in the lineup? No, I, I think he's keeping up. Like, it's it's not like where he's hurting the team or, or anything like that. I just don't – he's hasn't quite been able to exert his will at five on five, I think. I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I mean, he looks exactly like I would imagine him looking in the NHL for his first couple of games at this time of the year. Um, you can see flashes of what he can do. The quick release is going to be something that that's going to work. Um, he's able to find space here and there, not as much as, as he did in the AHL, obviously, but. You know, you you can tell he sees the the ice well, and I I think his defensive his performance in the defensive zone is pretty good. Again, for a guy in his first three games, he's not as lost as most guys look, uh, especially playing. You know, he, he he does continue to play center in the defensive zone, which was was pretty surprising, especially when he was with Kadri. Um, so I, I, I am pretty impressed with, with how he looks and I'm, you know, I'm not worried about the offense part yet. That's, that's something like if they wanted him to generate offense, they would have probably done this a little differently, but if he's going to stick in the lineup, he's basically got to do the things that we saw over the weekend, it, it, sort of be defensively sound. And if you do get some offensive chances, then that's sort of gravy. While he was on JT Comfort's line, I thought it was interesting that Comfort had some of his best shifts in a while. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think he is the kind of player that can lift lift all boats. I just, I don't know. I'm getting the vibe that I don't think he's going to last beyond the road trip. I hope I'm wrong. But... I think they wanted him to have the taste and then then he, he could be available f- for any time well, in they, the playoffs. They don't want to burn the first year. <laughs> <laughs> we have to say that's wrong in case anybody has that rant. Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and explain the joke there. I think it is actually necessary this time. Yeah, well, for some reason... I don't know. All a lot of the media members seem to believe that, and and it wasn't even like Chambers. You said that even Altitude doesn't understand, which you would yeah. think somebody would slip Pete a memo and be like, "Hey, you know, let's not even be incorrect here." But you know, they don't even care. Okay, it's, he's he's twenty, Pete. He's twenty, Pete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, just just to explain it, contract slides are only for eighteen and nineteen year olds. It's just when so that you sign they, when you're 18 or 19. Yeah, so it's so <laughs> that you can have a taste and have it not count against you. But when you're 20 years old, then then you start counting. And so yeah. when he signed the contract after his college season, it was burned right then and there for him to even have a contract valid in the current season. He and Sampo Ranta both. Yes. Yeah. So I would even say assume prospect for some reason. I don't know why the assumption is that all of them slide. 
I think it should be the other way. You should assume they do not slide unless you are currently aware he is a teenager. I think they should not slide, period. (laughs) But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that that does seem to be the the assumption that if a guy signs a contract and starts playing in the NHL, then his contract's going to slide. And it's it's weird because, like, all right, McCarr didn't have that on the table. We knew that. No, it was the same situation. He signed for the current season. There was no slide. The yeah. his thing was the expansion draft. If he played one game, then he was expansion draft eligible, and then he obviously did. So that was the other consideration. But no, for all these guys, Sampo, Newhook, Cow, Bowers, except anyone you can think of, no slides. There will there will be no contract slides until the uh, the next uh, next round of ELCs get signed out of the next draft. I think. Um, Right, and basically the only guys that you see with contract slides are are Europeans that that come over right away when they're young. um, Or or CHLers that sign early, but they they hardly don't even do that. Like, you know, Byron was the only one that they really signed early. Like, if Foodie was signed right now, he would be an example. But they're not even signing him early, so... The, you know they and, might never and for a even... college guy a college guy that only spends one year in college could slide but it's like if he only spending if you're, you're only spending one year then you're you're either playing lots of nhl games or you're back in college so yeah um... it's just so much more uncommon and it, it it is funny that it seems to be thought of as the default well any prospect doesn't play more than 10 games in the nhl's contract slides no it doesn't work that way and then you ask bednar yeah. about it and bednar's response is like ah, that ain't my job yeah even though he knew chambers was wrong <laughs> <laughs> i mean we, you gotta assume he's just too nice know. to call him out and didn't feel like explaining it you got, you <laughs> i gotta assume he says, I love when he says that's a Joe question, like, A, Joe ever talks, or is he would he even be available? If people are like, hey, if we run these questions by Joe, it'd be like, no. And second of all, when you have that once-a-year opportunity to speak to Joe, nobody asks questions. So yeah. thanks for playing, guys. Alex Newhook has, uh, has definitely looked like he belongs in the NHL. He just maybe looks like some of the elements are not quite 100% there yet. Um, and Altitude, I know that, that you're on Altitude Strike, Jackie, so you haven't heard this, but Altitude has been pumping up Alex Newhook every chance they get, um, talking about how he's doing some things going to make him hard to take out of the lineup and all that kind of stuff. So they're they're setting the table on state media. You look at Newhook's wowies with Comfer, and obviously one game Comfer was with other players, but like together, you know, they... they they were very good, sixty-one percent Corsi, and, and Comfort without Newhook is is at thirty-three percent in the same time frame. So, um, I I don't think they're sheltering him that much. Um, I think it's really weird that almost all the time that he's been on the ice, Andre Burakovsky has been too, and this is at five v five. Um, so it's like they're BFFs now, and they they've been working really well together. Um, well, it's helped that he had these these games against San Jose and L.A. where they just killed in possession. Like, that's really helped, right. too. You'd love to see, you know, Vegas is going to be a big test. That one will be a good test to see if he can keep up that kind of 
direction, you know, like those blues games were the tough ones where people say cow got beat up in some of those and it's just luck of the draw, isn't it? <laughs> well, Los Angeles has a lot of puck pressure. Um, so that, that is something like the way he's handled Los Angeles's puck pressure, you know, has been pretty good. Like he's not turning the puck over a lot. And that's something that, that Bednar even remarked after um, the second <clears throat> is that, you know, he, he likes that, you know, he's not seeing a lot of mistakes. He's not seeing a lot of turnovers. And that's, you know, I, I think that's kind of when you see a guy come up, and I'm not saying Cout did this, but, you know, when you see guys come up from the AHL, they're not able to deal with puck pressure and they turn the puck over constantly, um, like Magna. <clears throat> yeah, we um, should well, we should mention hero, that um, that, that Magna <laughs> Magna drew in on Saturday because Carl Soderberg needed maintenance, and he'll probably be back in lineup against Vegas. That's yeah, another one where I don't lower back issues. Yeah, that one was. There's something a little bit odd about this. Not that Carl getting a night off on a back to back is weird. Like that's perfectly defensible. And they should have been doing things like this all along. Like I've said all year, there's no reason why Belmere needs to play through back-to-backs. But... Just to let y'all know where we're going, the abs are weird. <laughs> yes. Well, see, this is the thing. And they do weird things. Is they're weird and they love the Iron Curtain, but the thing is they are predictable. That's the thing, is that they have a way of doing things. And if you know what it is, then you can follow the trail. So when they do something odd, it's not just because like the wind blew a certain direction that day. It's because they have reasons and all you need to do is uncover those reasons. So I think it's pretty, I, I think the the Magna call, it makes a lot of sense for one big reason. And that's that the, the penalty kill has been sort of terrible. And <laughs> the penalty kill is for... going to lose them a cup at this point. Pretty much, um, and they're just—they're looking to see what they're doing down in Loveland um, that's it, gotten that's them so really much success. Your, that's really like your solution is like what no, number just, is he in line of all these other guys? I just well, I think I, he's a guy that plays. What he does on the penalty kill is he's aggressive and he tends to get a lot of breakaways in Loveland. Um, and that's something that's that's pretty much been missing from their game. They're, they are not a good threat offensively when they're on the PK. I mean, they've had one goal all year. It was in late January. Uh, they're, they're, I, I their biggest uh, threats to actually take the puck the other direction are Tyson Jost and Val Nichushkin. Like, you're not afraid of their shot. Yeah, I wouldn't be right. afraid of Megna getting a breakaway and scoring no. in an in NHL playoff game. I, it's just, it is a little odd to me, is what I'm saying. Is I think Carl is probably bang, banged up. If you look at he played the least amount of anybody in the Friday game. Yeah. And I believe he did not play on the penalty kill at all. And then, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. that They're going to have to somewhat show their cards in this Vegas game of who really can and can't go. I don't think it's anything serious or anything that would keep him out, but I don't know if they're at the point where they're just going to scratch him. But 
the way Bednar said it after the game is he that Soderberg had a little bit of back tightness and that he wanted to get someone in that they might need at the beginning of the playoffs. Why on earth would that be Megna? Like, okay, you could believe that Saad might not be back right at the beginning. Megna's next guy up now? Like He's 31, though. He's the oldest guy down there. <laughs> Why are you using him this entire time? I don't know. Like, they have played, and are they completely done with O'Brien now? Like, they just see the light, yeah. figure it out. And since he can't even go on the taxi squad, he can't even go to the AHL. They're just, he just gets to like, just party around for the next, however long they last. Well, if you look at it, like Sherwood doesn't play on the PK anymore. Um, It's like they, when they call someone up, when they have someone in the lineup that's on the fourth line, that that's, you know, a temporary player or, you know, an intermittent player. Um. You know, it's like if you're if you're on the fourth line and you're not PKing, then you're only playing at five v five. So what? You know, what's your job? Why are you there? Um, and and I do think that's part of why they you know, they wanted to try someone and see if you know if Megna or anyone else can work on the PK because it's just they need those guys in the bottom of the lineup to take those minutes so that they don't have to play Landy or or anyone else in the in the top should, six. Shouldn't they have figured this out before like game fifty? Well, they should have fixed their PK like a year and a half ago. I mean, <laughs> I don't, you know. I don't know if Magna would be my answer if it was like we're we're going to need a fourth liner that we can use on the PK. I don't even know if it's not like he's some sort of expert penalty killer. So I don't know. The other thing is, if you are talking about needing him to start the playoffs, then you're probably not using Newhook, right? Or, or you've got a lot of forwards who aren't coming back in time. <clears throat> I, I don't think that's an either-or situation. Because Newhook can bring things aside from the PK. Um, whereas Newhook well, can only bring turnovers aside from the PK. You, you said Newhook twice you there. Said, you, know, you probably mean Magna. Yeah. I probably well, did, yes. No, I don't think they're thought of in, in the same boat as Roll, but you can only dress 12 forwards. Why are we giving Newhook so many wrong names? <laughs> it's true he has an easy name to remember it's like are we just well, it's refusing to right, perceive his, his nickname is his his nickname is newy which is kind of stupid you like, can at I least think it call him be... hooker no exactly it's hooker would be oh, the perfect no, name no, yes no. hooker no, i'm not on board with hooker's him. a good cop no <laughs> like newy like newfie that's that's more like who he really is but should we never like that? <laughs> Watching him play has at least made this week interesting. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Like, yeah. it has been fun to see him play. It was cool that he got his first point. He earned um, it. He did his first penalty. He didn't have a bullshit assist like <laughs> off the back of Andre Burakovsky's boot. It it was a secondary, but yeah, he did at least make the pass on the board. That was hilarious. Lauren was interviewing him, and he didn't even know he had an assist on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, the the, the post game quote from Burr was like, "I guess they I was a little blessed tonight." On that? <laughs> he, 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 he said he was a little blessed to get his two assists, and I can't disagree. The other thing that kept this week interesting was Kale McCarr. 
who for all of the um, stink eye that we were giving Makar and Taves against San Jose, they tore LA apart. Whew. Yeah. I, I like wanted last night's game like five points a piece or something. Like it was crazy. That is like one of my favorite things about Makar is just the heat. He just has that level to get to. And maybe it was something about how LA plays that made it a little bit easier for him to do his thing or something like that. But just that he can take that either like frustration or disappointment or whatever and, and turn it up a notch. And it, that is not an easy thing to do. So that's yeah, that what goal I love he had last him. night was that was from as far as away from the net as you can get and still be in the offensive zone. You know, I mean, that was just <laughs> a long shot. Yeah, that that was not a great goal to, for on uh, on the goaltender. You could see that he didn't track it, like because he didn't yeah. react to it till it was behind him. There was a lot of traffic, but still, there was enough room that that didn't touch anything too. So uh, there was, yeah, like it, it wasn't like a, a needle thread through of five screens. It was just Peterson lost yeah. track of it. I mean, he, that's oh. a young goalie, and that, like Peterson's been a pretty good goal, a pretty good goalie for LA. Um, in, in yeah, quicks, been, I don't know. Fine. I, I don't know if Quick is just old and they don't like playing him anymore. If he's been hurt all year, he's probably hurt all the time. But he is hurt right now, but yeah. You, the Kings guys are talking about he's probably going to be the backup to Peterson next year. Yeah. yeah. And then there was like, all right, Taves' second goal where he's shooting and it's like Peterson's like, ah, what am I doing with my hands? And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know. pretty sure that, like, it's pretty clear to me that Peterson has it. It just, yeah. it just isn't there yet. Right. He's just, he's not very experienced, even though he's not young either. I thought um, he was like 22. No, he's a little bit no. older than that. Probably yeah. mid-20s. Oh, right. I'm, I'm thinking of Kojanaj. The Sharks Kornar? goalie. Kornar? Yeah, he's, Kornar? he's younger. I, the Sharks I goalie looked like he was 15 years old. Yeah. I like him. He's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to be decent, too. They should <laughs> They should do whatever they can to get rid of Jones and maybe get a vet backup and roll with him. I, I think the Sharks would be a lot better with acceptable goaltending they would i, I, I was nick might be looking for work i was devastated to find out that those <laughs> r's have circumflexes on them because now you can't call them the coroner <laughs> well the, the eagles haven't played san jose this year but that and last year when he he was with the barracuda um kevin mcglue called him coronash which is how i thought it would i didn't realize there was the little thingy on top of the first r2 so yeah well that, the, I, the sharks guys were calling them but we weren't having any r's in there it was all uh that other sound <laughs> kajanash i'm sure it's not actually that sound but that's as close <laughs> as you're gonna get in english sorry right <laughs> uh you know who else had a pretty good weekend was connor timmons um, we talked about him a little bit last week briefly of that he was playing much better i'd like to spend a little bit more time on that this time around um, because he's really shown out pretty well, and I'm curious how real we think that is. I mean, he's playing with confidence right now, and you can tell. And that's something that we did not see, obviously, and then I guess it was a 17-game stretch earlier in the season. Um, and it, it's a big difference for him, because it's, I mean, he's he's got skill, but he's not incredibly, you know, he's not an incredibly skilled defenseman. Um, he's obviously not a great skater, but... He's smart, knows where to be. So 
when he's not playing with confidence and he's playing tentative, it's like the skill and lack of speed. Um, then he just seems slow. It seems like everything's slow. Exactly. And it's just, I mean, you haven't noticed his skating over the past couple of days. Um, you know, you, you, you don't notice sort of the things that you saw earlier in the season where it's like he, he'd get the puck at the point and immediately look to pass to the other D or, or, or pass it down the boards. It's like he's looking for space and trying to get in for a shot. And he's just he's he's playing sort of exactly what I'm sure the staff has wanted to see since day one. And, you know, he's taking advantage of a great situation, being able to play with higher lines and, and having guys on the ice with him that are, are going to make plays. Um, but it's just, it, it's great to see the confidence that he's playing with. And it's, it's really made his game come alive. I'd say it is real because that's just how he played when he was with the Eagles and in his best stretches there is that's what he's good at. He's good at passing the puck. He's good at, you know, like I say, always say the things to move the puck forward, either passing it out of the zone or or carrying it in the zone or he's he's really aggressive in the offensive zone with the shooting, which I'm sure they love. That's like the Graves playbook. I'm probably not quite <laughs> as enthusiastic about him in general because I still don't love the defending. I don't think he... He's quite there along the boards. He does have a good stick. Like he probably did pick that up from time with Cronin in the AHL, but just his his board battles and he doesn't really win them that often. And some of the D zone coverage. So for me, that kind of limits my enthusiasm a bit on him, which of course, some of these things are not limited to just him. Like everybody makes kind of those mistakes, but I would like to see a bit more from him defensively to really say like, "Oh, he's arrived," or like, okay, "Oh, if- should he be in the lineup all the time now?" I don't know about that. So, he's, yeah, but if you I back mean, up like a, a month and a half, and and we were talking about how McDonald was looking a lot better than Timmins, like by a lot, and you know that that really hasn't been the case this week, and obviously, um. No, because so when, when L.A. had their extended shifts with possession, it was almost every single time against Belmar, Nemeth. Sherwood, and the other forward on that line who's has escaped me. Neither um, Magna or... Yes, Magna. Um, and Nemeth McDonald. Yeah. like You get the third pair in the fourth line out and they get pinned in. Um, which shouldn't be that surprising. But in in past, McDonald wasn't in those situations, right? When I mean, you, I, I guess this is another thing that we were talking about earlier with, with with Taves and Sam. But it's like when McDonald was playing with Sam, he looked great. You know, I mean, yeah. that's just yeah, one sure of those things for anybody, right? <laughs> I, I think it just sort of highlights again, sort of you know what you're missing when you don't have Sam Gerrard in the lineup is. You know, he's to the point now where he makes guys like McDonald look good. Or he makes guys like Taves look really good and comfortable. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's it's one of those things that you're, you're kind of looking at Timmons. And he's not, you know, he's obviously not playing with Sam right now, but he's looking good. And he is playing with Ryan Graves. And they're not doing that badly together. And... 
It is a good you know, style when... match with those two. Cause like I said earlier, Graves really needs somebody that is better offensively than him. Right. And and in like just use the you know, use the, the GDT barometer for this. It's like how many times have you seen someone say that, that we should expose Graves in the expansion draft over the last week? And that's it's it's been really low. Um, compared to average. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah graves yeah, has inspired slightly fewer fucks per 60 this week exactly it's it's a good anecdotal metric there <laughs> um so it, you know th- those guys are helping each other out and they're you know if you said that in the going down the stretch when we really need wins bad that that connor timmons and ryan graves would be your second pair and they're doing okay i mean it's people wouldn't have believed that I, I'm a little bit like less enthusiastic on Timmons as well, mostly because he's having his kind of his best output against some of these teams that are a little bit crap. Um, like like I said, LA has really not put any sustained pressure together like offensively, except for in those bursts against the Avs, bottom and bottom. Um, I I I we've talked a lot about Monday's game being important for seeing what the Avs are going to do, and that's because it's a big fucking game. Spoiler, um, but it's also going to be really important to, to see where Connor Timmins is at now, because when when he's been at his best in this latest NHL stint, it's been against some of these baddies. So. Get him, yeah. We'll get him in against Vegas, and we'll we'll see how it goes there. I imagine when he has a lot less time and space to do things, then he's some of those old struggles might return. But hopefully, he continues to play uh, like you were saying, Earl, with the with the confidence um, that he's that he's kind of shown with the puck because he just did not have that um, when he was sent down earlier. Yeah, but he also played really bad against teams like Anaheim in the beginning of the year. So there's that. Um, so. There, there is a little bit of a metric there that he even looked bad versus bad teams earlier, and now he looks good versus bad. Teams. Oh, I mean, he certainly is better. That, that's for sure. But it's just a matter of, you know, I guess we're not at the point where we're going to talk about what does it mean or how much does it matter. I guess, I guess we'll get another however many games we get worth of data for that. But, um. I don't just, know. Where does, just, where does just, he fit in on a completely healthy defensive core? I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to see one. I, yeah, I I'd love to have that decision. <laughs> I would yeah, like to I see it. <laughs> I'm not even quite ready for that conversation yet. Yeah. There's there's more data points that we need to see, but I'm just saying, like, I I completely agree that there is tangible improvement that he's showing the things that he's good at that he's improved the things that he's good at. I just want to see more improvement in the things that he's not good at. And I think a lot of what people get excited about is, is things that move the puck forward, which is great. But I think a lot of the defensive zone things are just getting completely just kind of turn a blind eye towards. So, but we'll see how it goes. So, um, that's pretty much the extent of interesting things that happened this week. Um, because mostly, we pointed our faces at games against San Jose and L.A. and went, Ugh. In the middle of the night. Right. Because <clears throat> California is on its own continent. 
not yet. Maybe soon. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit today about what the uh, AHL playoff is going to look like because in the Pacific Division, of, of which the Colorado Eagles are a part, there will be one. Yeah, so all season, it's pretty much been said don't expect much playoffs-wise for the AHL. There's just not a lot of interest in it, both from a financial standpoint and from the player standpoint. But the Pacific Division, which is made up of a lot of teams that have... The division was pretty much created by teams that decided that they're going to do what they want to do, and it doesn't matter what the AHL wants. (laughs) So they decided to have a Pacific Division only playoffs, which, and it was also said that don't expect it to last very long. This isn't like a bunch of seven game series like you would normally expect. It's going to be completed over a matter of two weeks. And since the Eagles were bouncing around between like fifth, sixth, and the division it was pretty much like well they probably won't be part of it it'd probably be just the top four doing something but no they decided to include everybody so seeds one two and three will have a bye four five six and seven will play each other in a single elimination one game only so the eagles will go out to california to play one game potentially If they lose that, they're done. If they win that, then they will play the winner of the other four, five, six, seven group. And then the winner of that will end up playing the number one seed in a, I think, best of three series. Like, big excitement here. A best of three. And they're all at the home team. They're all at the higher seed, too. There's no travel. Yeah, so no home. So there will be no home playoff games for the Eagles. And then then the winner of that will play a best of three for the division crown. And I do have mixed feelings about this. I guess I, if you're looking at it from a development standpoint, playing any sort of meaningful game is, is good for these guys. And they do have a lot of prospects down there where it wouldn't hurt to see them play another game. I mean, why not? It's, it's just more experience. But it's just it's so silly and that it's come out from Alan Walsh and a few other sources that the players were very against this and it's basically <laughs> against their wishes, which I would say that would be a lot from the AHL veterans. Like yeah. for guys guys like Sampo and Justin Barron, I can't imagine that they are upset that, that their season continues and they have to go to California to play a game. I would even think the Avs AHL vets aren't upset because they know that they probably will at some point play in the playoffs for the Avs. <laughs> so it's not extending their season artificially. It's um, it's part of being a hero and getting call-ups so you can play in the playoffs. Uh, so um, that will be on... I think the 18th or the 19th. I don't remember which day. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to that. We'll see how that goes. The Eagles do have three games at home coming up this week to finish up the regular season. And we will see who will be part of have, that. And they did have a game canceled because of COVID protocol, and we're not really sure why. I guess it was a false positive. Yeah. They did not seem too concerned about it but yes they did have their friday night game canceled 
but um, which is interesting because it's against Bakersfield, who are trying to catch up to Henderson for the top seed. Um, I yeah, and the Bakersfield fans wanted that to be a forfeit, so they would get the point. <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> um, so just just from the perspective of uh, of a person who enjoys hockey, this is obviously not playoffs. Uh, but I think it sounds fun. I think it. I. I'm I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes and just have like. I just know. wish there was. I, I wish there was more guaranteed games. I, I think. I mean, I, I know that they have a limited time and, and money is definitely an issue here. So, you know, guaranteeing more than one game for teams that really don't even deserve to be there doesn't make a lot of sense. But. Um, you know, if they could play a, a loser game as well or something like if you were guaranteed at least two games, I think that would, you know, even be better. Um, just because, again, guys like Sampo and, and Baron could really use the experience and having two games like that would be a lot better. But it is what it is. Sort of an interesting question posed by Eagles fans is, does this count as continuing their playoff streak? Because... I don't even remember how long it is, but through all the various leagues the Eagles have played in, I think they have something crazy like an 18-year playoff streak. Does that sound right, Earl? Yeah. It, it, uh, <laughs> be, I think this would be 19, yeah. So does They've it They've never count? missed the playoffs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it counts, but I don't think it breaks the streak either. Yeah. That's probably a fair way to look at it. Like, it just doesn't count at all. I mean, I I guess if they make it into the top four, I guess you can maybe say that that counts. I don't know. It'd be asterisks either way. Yeah. Well, and they didn't have playoffs last year, of course, but they were in a legitimate playoff position at the time. So I don't know if their fans counted that too, but just an interesting way of thinking of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um... So before we get into kind of the main event and and speculate about who the Avs are going to play in the playoffs, let's go ahead and have a small moment while I recover from that burp that almost happened but didn't. Uh, let's go ahead and do start scratches. <clears throat> who do you like this week? I like Miko scoring his thirtieth goal of the season, and it what he's only played like fifty games is pretty remarkable oh but he's a diver he got fined for not falling <laughs> gracefully enough it's a chronic diver <laughs> that's just i you pointed out earl that if you were gonna pick someone on the abs as the diver it wouldn't be miko no yeah i mean like kadri kadri's a gamer i mean he dives but you know he's not a theatrical diver um, that's how. He, that's he why he's it. so good at it. Because he. It, right. Just, what are you saying? He's a strategic diver. Pretty much. Like Kadri draws <laughs> penalties because it, he, his dives look natural. Right. <clears throat> right. I honestly don't think Miko's diving. It's. it's is it because we're used to? We saw. I the mean, maybe he's so good. Maybe he's so good at it too. I don't know. But I. I you know, we we see him fall down without people around him all the time. So if, <laughs> if he falls we down around someone's stick, it just seems normal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw the Bambi years. It just he's just I don't a, know, he's just awkward. He's going, 
going down too easy, but... Well, here's the thing. On the play that I think he was fined for, his his skates kicked back a little bit when he went down. And if you're, if you're diving, your skates kicking back in the air is usually a really good indicator. But I, <laughs> but I remember seeing that live and thinking, well, that looked kind of divey. And then seeing the alternate angle and no, he just toe-picked after he got tripped and it looked clowny yeah. as hell. Like... But we're going to find a yeah. guy for that. Okay. Like, he's enormous, and he's still a bit lanky. And when that much man is falling down, it it is noticeable. I, I just, I don't know. It's silly to me. I, To me, I mean, diving they- is when you just make, make it up. Like, you, we've all seen the clips where some guy, you finally see the right angle, and he just totally fabricates it. Yeah, like the guy gets a he gets a stick in his chest and and like just rolls around on the ice like his <laughs> nose just fell off or something like that. Or or the ones uh, that just completely make it up. They they weren't even touched by anything and they just fall over. I mean, that's the embarrassing stuff. But if some yeah. guy really is just falling over or he really did get tripped, the the thing that drives me crazy is the embellishment. Is okay you really actually believe that he was tripped, but you just don't like the way that he acted when he fell down. To me, that is a ridiculous uh, judgment call if someone is too graceful or not. I <laughs> I know the refs don't like it. I don't want you to sell it to make it obvious. And it's like, hey, if you really feel like that guy got tripped, or a lot of them too are when they get hit in the face, like, it, you're going to go over there and tell the guy, no, it really didn't hurt that bad. You didn't need to act that way. I mean, come on. So I'm not worried about Miko. If he keeps getting fined, whatever. It's just hilarious that it came right after the Tom Wilson and his $5,000 fine. So maybe Miko yeah. should punch a few guys in a scrum and to get his next fine. He, he should get his money's worth. Yeah. Well, but, we heard a couple of years ago that Miko was put on the chronic diving list, right? Um, and... He was fine once before, yeah. but that was, I think, at least two years ago. Yeah, it was in 2018, but it just did, that came out of the fact that the league considered him part of, you know, the bad diving crowd. Considered him um, part of the Luganus Club or whatever. Right, and it's like there was a there was an obvious trip on him last night, and the ref was looking right at it and didn't blow the whistle. And you're just like, you know, is is his reputation right there? You know, not getting the abs of power play because you know, like he was obviously tripped, but they think he, you know, he's a diver, so they're not going to call it. You know, and and that's you know, that's not that cool. Yeah, that's too bad. If that's true because I don't think he's that kind of guy. As it is, and the abs don't play that way. They're they're not right. the ones that that get into the gray area and are these team. They're not a team that tries to push the envelope in that certain way. So that's why it is just extra yeah. silly. So anyway, but Miko did have a pretty strong week. He scored some goals. He did. Yes, it was so nice to have him back. He makes such a huge difference, and. Uh, he really does. I'm not going to say like they don't need McKinnon or anything, but he really does mitigate McKinnon's absence. That yeah. um, you still have a pretty formidable top line because you still have Miko out there, and and 30 goals in this shortened season is crazy, really. So good for him. Um, 
I'm going to go with Andre Burkowski, who led the team with seven points this week. Um, I think he was real good too. Yeah, and he's sort of been. I, I, I wouldn't call him. Newhook's minder really, but that's kind of been his role because he's he's been on the ice with him ninety percent of the time. So, um, you know whether whether it's being a minder or just you know having chemistry or that that's just basically what he's been asked to do. Um, he's done that well, and you know he's got two goals and five assists this week, so that's pretty good. I'd say in general, Burakovsky's been a guy this year that I'm so much more happy with. Not that he's really that different; it's just he settled so much into his role and he's effective and consistent at it. Like I hardly ever have complaints about Burakovsky and like, he knows he's not a top line guy that he's this complimentary player, but he just plays that role to a T and he did have some really nice plays this week. So yeah, his, his game's matured a lot since he's joined the avalanche. Yeah. Um, the, the difference is, yeah, is, is, is that not that he's like, it's not that he's more consistent in that he has good games more often it's that he's raised the floor it's that when he his bad games yeah. are less bad yeah i, yeah. I think that all those points are, are good to make that i can hardly even think about like a, a huge complaint about something he's done or, or like you said like game and so and then when he he gets that shot going he can make some really nice goals yeah and uh I'm going to let um, Makar and Taves share mine for the fact that they each had two goals over the weekend. Um, with with in McKinnon's absence, they were the offense on Saturday, um, and that's that's pretty rad. Yeah, they had a good weekend. De- besides, they definitely besides made carrying up for... the team on defense the entire weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to make up a little bit for our, the. San Jose series, maybe they weren't at their best. But... Oh, 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 well, we're, we're not we're not done talking about them yet. Let's go ahead and get to scratches. <laughs> um, I would like Kale and Taves on Monday and Wednesday to share my scratch. Specifically for <laughs> some of those plays where you've got Devon Taves caught way up the ice and Kale McCarr not helping himself out with the situation he's been dealt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was... It was not good early this week. <laughs> they they went from heinous to awesome this week. Which is good. It's it's nice to see they can turn it around, flip the switch a little bit. Who y'all got? Um, I'll, and I'll give an honorable mention to McDonald coming back. Because, um, you know, he he did have a little bit of a rough night last night, but... Um, he's better than Renouf. He's better than Burroughs. He's better than Middleton. Um, Definitely. It's a, it's a big step up. Um, when you get a guy like that back so, in the lineup. And so is the honorable mention for Renouf or is it for the abs for choosing Renouf over those other names? No, or that he McDonald's. hasn't been as, he, or that he hasn't been as good as he was before. Yeah. Well, but he and, was kind. Know, he, he was kind of trailing off there before the pause, and he. His, I mean, he's not. Injury. Again, like 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 we talked about, he's not going to be as good in the third pair role um, than when he's playing with Sam because that's just how life works. 
Um, but I, I, again, I I still think it's a big upgrade over at all. Uh, and he also <laughs> has two assists. I mean, <laughs> so two assists in three games coming back from injury. I'm you got to be pretty happy with that. I if you're saying honorable mention for a star, I can't quite get behind that. Like, yeah, he's better than Renouf, but I there's a lot of other guys I think should get an honorable mention, like Jost for having to be the first line center. Yeah, Jost had two goals. That's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of want to scratch the goalie that Jost scored that one between the legs on. <laughs> Why did he open up his legs like right before the puck got there? That was so stupid. <laughs> what did, did you not watch Rycroft's breakdown of that goal? He explained it. I did not actually, because I'm on altitude strike. So if if anyone missed this and doesn't understand what happened, this what this is what Rycroft believes, and I actually tend to agree for a you know once in a lifetime here. Um, Jost wasn't really trying to score; he was looking for the pass off the pad. Um, because if he puts that puck on the ice off the goalie's left pad, Miko is right there in the crease, yeah. undefended. He has an easy, easy, easy shot. Um, Jost, okay, yeah, that's... Jost missed. Instead of aiming at the pad, he put it straight <laughs> between the legs. And the goalie, having read the play correctly, says, well, I need to make sure that I don't just put the, make this just bounce straight off the pad. I need to give, put some juice behind it so maybe it gets through Rancinen. And the puck didn't go to his pad. The puck went between his legs. Oops. I can't say that I watched that clip like over and over, but remembering the goal, that does sound like a plausible explanation. I think they should do that more, like the the bank pass off the pad. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. They do it a lot. That's a great. Uh, the abs don't really do that much. They, they, <laughs> they shoot wide a lot. Yeah, they they do it more than you think it, because it's hard to tell when they're trying to do it or whether they're just wailing away on it. You know? um, but I do think that they shoot wide on purpose and try to get. Oh bounces. yeah. Some of those, especially like on the power play. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so my scratch was a Monday and Wednesday Taves McCarr pairing. Um, after handing a star to the Friday and Saturday Taves McCarr pairing. So who do y'all have on the scratch side? I'm going to kind of go Grubauer. I I have not loved him since he's been back. and You think he's having a lateral movement problem? I do. I The one game, it wasn't the last one he played, but the one game he was swimming really bad. And like the Avs got lucky that a lot of those were not converted for goals i guess it was against san jose and it was just like if they had any shooting talent at that particular moment on the ice they could have picked him apart i and then the first goal he gave up um okay so jojo played in the last game so it was the friday game the first goal he gave up i felt like he was kind of doing the same thing and then after that the abs kind of locked it down and he didn't really have to make any kind of save in that manner but to me, he just looks a little off, and I don't know if it's just the break or what, but they've also been doing weird stuff with the goalie transactions. I don't know if they if he's a little iffier than they would like to admit. So, 
if he is a little damaged or something, then, you know, maybe, maybe his performance is, is related to that, but I don't know, but I don't think he's been as good as he's been earlier. We'll find out tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll play. Like, I don't think it's to the point where he's not playing, but, uh, but yeah, he's going to have to play good to win that game in Vegas. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I was going to scratch Carl just because he's, I mean, he's been such an empty suit, but if he, if he's actually injured, then I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, But then it's like, it's like almost everybody could, right? Like if anybody's kind of sucking right now, is it because they're probably dealing with something? Well, he actually had an unhealthy scratch, so it seems unfair. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's fair to kind of lump him and Nemeth together. It's like, did they really get what they were hoping for? I hope not, because what they it, what um, they've got is at best nothing. Like, right? If they're and, there, and add Dubnik to that too, because you're like, all right, so they made yeah. these three trades. You've got Carl, who's been ineffective, and then now it was perhaps hurt Nemeth who might have hurt himself but hasn't been great either and then you have Dubnik who's been bad and then gets COVID (laughs) (laughs) I mean even COVID angle aside I I honestly think Johansson has been better than Dubnik overall yeah I I do too um you know I I think I mean obviously you know if, if you look at the pure numbers like saving 16 out of 18 last night like wow big whoop you know it's like but that was tough. I mean, like the third period was like a nightmare. Yes. So... That third period. Hung... <laughs> we, we glossed this over big time. That third period stunk. Oh, what, what I said um, on Twitter at the, after that game was that the Avs did everything to give that game away, except concede a goal. Yeah. Like he's, he did what he needed to do to get the win. And it was interesting because I was watching the Kings broadcast and they were pointing out good things that they liked that he was doing. Like he went for the poke check and it actually worked. Mm-hmm. And I know that we, how we talk about how Grubauer never gets the poke check to work. So he sure doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Johansson let in a bad one, but he also made several good stops. So it did what he needed yeah. to do to win a game. And the thing, and I mean, I, I think his body of work since the trade or, you know, since his trade um, has been solid. And, you know, you, you've got some, games against bad teams in there like the ducks and whatnot but it's like he beat the blues um i would say that for his level of experience that the kings were reasonably difficult as far as a win um you know i I would feel a lot more confident with him and net than dubnik right now yeah johansson has kind of played like a third goalie and dubnik has played like his time in the nhl is over yeah yeah, and I think JoJo will be a big topic for the off season. Like, will they actually keep him, and should they? And I know we're not going to that right now, but he should be playing himself into a job. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, right I think, now. I, I think what happens in the playoffs will probably, you know, have, have some sort of role in that. Um, you know, it. We all know if if Grubauer is hurt sort of long-term season's over um if grubauer has the kind of thing that he needs a game off in the middle of a series 
um, you know that that's the one time when your backup can actually keep you afloat. And it's 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 a rare situation, but it's you know if we get to that, if we get to that, <laughs> the Avs probably lose that game, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah, but if you lose, right? But if they lose like you know three to two or something like that, um, you know I I I I think that's there's merit in that. Mm-hmm. All I know is Johansson was highly touted when he was traded to the Avalanche as the worst goaltender you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and He's, he has not been that. He, he, he has, has not been. at all. He has. All right, one been thing I noticed that. last night: he has Antarctica on the back of his helmet. Isn't that rad? That. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have noticed that. Interesting. Yeah, like Pete and Moj, like they, they showed the back of his head for a while, and it's like you could see the Antarctica right there. Yeah, and, like and there's Moj didn't say anything. No, they're I'm talking like, about the Sweden flag. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's cool too. But it's and like I'm like, wonder, is that Antarctica? Like, <laughs> is this you know? Does he have a what's one of his ancestors on the Shackleton expedition or something like that? I mean, you know, does he have a history with Antarctica? I mean, I think it's just uh, a, a cool piece to stick on the back of the helmet. It is. Yeah, it's sad because this year, and I know that COVID hasn't helped, and also the absurd policy that the Avs don't let any NHL players talk to anybody outside of pressers, but we just don't get to know anything about these guys. Like, what, like little things like that, what their lives are like, or just... Yeah. Like that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of question that you would get out of somebody's kind of like alt-media out, outlets. Like, hey... Um, yo, yo, what, what, what's up with the Antarctica on the back of your hat? Tell us about that. Like, I bet if, I bet if you tweeted at Lauren Jabara, she might like try to figure out some way, like not during an after game presser, but you know, one of the, yeah, I guess pressers. that's possible. Yeah. 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 She does seem to be trying to at least uncover something interesting mm-hmm. every yeah. once in a while. But before we move on from, from the, the scratches i do want to make the point of like go back to our deadline acquisitions where we kind of have carl and dubnik and nemeth and and that they're better than probably who they would have replaced as ahlers like visca or middleton or dries god forbid any of those guys ever have to play again for the abs but it's like so you could say, well, it was a great idea to bring all these guys in because they're at least like NHL quality, but you can't think of them as surefire starters. Like you can't think of Dubnik as your backup goalie no matter what. You can't think of Nemeth and Soderberg as needing to play every game if they get anywhere near healthy. So are they willing to do that? Are they willing to look at them as, as actual extra depth that's better than AHLers? Or are they going to force feed these guys as as NHL regulars, which maybe they shouldn't be. Yeah, that's going to be interesting if the team does ever get healthy enough such that, you know, Soderberg would be a question or Nemeth would be a question. I mean, I think... I'd like to think Nemeth will be a question at some point. Um, I don't... I'm not sure about Carl. Um, But but I do think, you know, if if you do get Byram and Sam back, um, you're looking at, like, you know, do you really want... A, 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 to have both Graves and Nemeth in the lineup at that point. Do you really need that? Well, I, th- I think this the decision is not Graves. I think the decision is, obviously McDonald's the first one out. 
And yeah. now and you've got what about Timmy? N- now you got Nemeth and Timmons. And I think it's pretty clear from the way we've talked today that this show would keep Timmons in the roster or in the lineup. Um, yeah. But we aren't the ones who have sunk cost in Patrick Nemeth. Right. And the <clears throat> the rule goes into it because Timmons doesn't play special teams, and that's just right. You know, when you don't play special teams, it's it's really easy to get scratched. Um. So. I think that they they would tend towards keeping Nemeth just for the PK. Not and... that the PK has exactly been worth keeping guys on either, but we're and not we are not talking not about that been... today. Yeah, and he has not been all that helpful on the PK either. Um, but it's just it's one of those things. That's his role. He does it. They're fine with. It. But that's for another show, I guess. But yeah, that's going to be a big part of their growth is watching what they do with with the lineup with these questions. And, hey, maybe they never will have questions because it is a revolving door. But um, People always get hurt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, we're getting close to the amount of time I've had between audio fuck-ups, so we're probably going to need a reset soon, just so everyone is prepared for that. Uh, Let's talk about the games left on the schedule real quick. Colorado stop in Vegas on Monday, and then they come back home for a Wednesday-Thursday back-to-back with the LA Kings to close out the season. With that in mind, Vegas currently leads the division with 80 points and two games to play. Colorado are in second with 76 points and three games remaining, and Minnesota are in third with 75 points and two games remaining. Uh, St. Louis are locked into fourth with uh, somewhat fewer points than the good teams. (laughs) <laughs> just a little bit. Vegas's remaining games are against us and the Sharks, and Minnesota have a pair against St. Louis to end their season. So let's talk scenarios. For Colorado to win the division, I, I, first of all, to guarantee it, they have to win out. End of story. Um, if they win out, then they will win the division, and that's all there is to it. Um, if they find the president's trophy. Uh, and and by win out, that includes a regulation win against Vegas. Yeah. Uh, um, because if they allow a point against Vegas, things get gnarly. Uh, if if they find five points in these last or, or in these last three games, they need to get a regulation win against Vegas, and for Vegas to take any loss to San Jose. Colorado has the regular regulation wins tiebreaker clinched, and actually they lead the league in regulation wins, and the only team that can even tie them is Edmonton. So if both the Avs and Golden Knights end up on 81 points, which could happen, the Avs take home ice, possibly for the entire playoffs, depending on Carolina's last game, and they'll face St. Louis in round one. With any loss to Vegas, Colorado are locked into a first-round series with the Wild instead, and probably they won't settle home ice until the final game. Because as we talked about a little bit in the pre-show, Minnesota's two games against St. Louis is like Minnesota's trying to get, you know, that set, that number two seed, and St. Louis are. Period. Yeah, St. Louis can't help nor hurt their position by any outcomes for the rest of their game. No, so. their their season is over. They're they're just coasting until the playoffs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the interesting scenario I was looking at was if if the game between Vegas and Colorado is tied very late, um, the Avs have a choice. 
like taking the point means that they're almost guaranteed the second seed. Um, all they'd have to do is, is win one game versus the Kings to get that. <clears throat> um, but that would preclude them basically from winning the division and the president's trophy. So that that's a tough choice. Like, do you sit on the lead or do you go for it? I think go for it. It would mean a lot more to be Vegas into you know whatever the permutations are about Minnesota. And that's me saying I still think I'd rather play Minnesota than St. Louis, even though I like totally get that Minnesota's playing much better right now and over the bulk of the season. But I don't think I see both sides of it. I don't think it's really all that valuable to win the division, to win home ice and all that. But when you're in a game playing the team that's probably going to keep, I mean, we're all expecting they're going to have to play Vegas in round two, right? Like it would be a pretty big upset if that didn't happen. So right. if you have the chance to, in their building to beat the team that you probably is, is going to be the gatekeeper, you have to do it. You can't play conservative. You have to go for it. I think it yeah, would be very I, cool to see that happen, but if, so um that Jackie just argued to go for it, I think. Do you want yeah, me to say I, that again? No, 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 no. You're it's 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 fine. Um yeah, I I I I I'd rather play Minnesota cuz I think the Avs just match up a lot better against them. Like Minnesota's special teams are terrible. So, so are Colorado's. And so are Colorado's and Minnesota is a low volume high quality team which just doesn't you know that that doesn't bode well against the Avs. Um, cuz they're going to out they're basically going to out quantity them. You know, I just I, I think that's a much better matchup. Whereas St. Louis, their their <clears throat> their power play alone could win them the series against the Avs. The Avs PK is so bad. Um, so it just I I think you I I think you try and go for it, but it, I you know I wouldn't mind being the third seed if that's what it ends up being because I I think whether they're second or third, they're going to end up playing Minnesota, and it's it's a better matchup. Yeah, I I think it's kind of funny the whole like oh my god the Avs could fall all the way to third seed like like it really matters like <laughs> you know the well, way that I mean I think it makes I, I think starting like, on the road actually is pretty good in right, round one. I was gonna say that too is starting on the road kind of eases the pressure and then game seven only matters if you get it to game seven like if you right if you're in a series against Minnesota and you get it to game seven you've faltered already pretty right. much so. I don't think it's that important. It would be silly that we're sitting here talking about winning the division in the President's Trophy and then end up third in the in the whole division. But I think that me says more about how Minnesota's been playing rather than like the Avs just completely, you know, falling off a cliff and and having a disaster. So to me, it's just not that big of a deal. Either way, honestly, I mean, you don't want to see them drop all the games this week, but they've done what they needed to. They needed to go on this road trip, and they won three out of four, which is what we said they needed to do. So as long as they don't have just a completely terrible week, if at the end of the day they're one, two, or three, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. 
And it's interesting, sort of the last four games for Vegas and Colorado. It's like they've been very even. Like if you look at their shots for goals for goals against things like that, it's like they've been playing very similarly uh, over the past week. And you know, you, I, I think both teams have been looking at this matchup as sort of like this is this is the season. Um, th- this will determine basically what we need to know going into the playoffs. Um, so it's it's a big game. It's it's going to be fun. Which is kind of cool to have a big game that ultimately doesn't like end your season or whatever. Right. So. It's, it's not a game eighty two situation. Right. So yeah, you can have a big game and you can test yourselves, and then and then you still have time to tinker and figure out what went wrong and and hopefully get some guys back. Even though I think they will put their best foot forward against Vegas, that McKinnon will play and. They're gonna do all that they can to win that game. Because it just just to reiterate it as clearly as possible, if if Colorado do not beat Vegas, um, that that that's pretty much that. <laughs> yeah. Are they they're... mathematical? That would they be mathematically? Yeah, they would be mathematically if, out. If if they yeah. lost to Vegas in overtime. And then, then Ve- that... Vegas would then have to lose in regulation to San Jose, and Colorado, ha- Colorado would have to beat LA twice. Right. And then they would yeah, be first. Colorado's tragic number is three. So if they lose in regulation to Vegas, then that's it. Um, and that that's a first overall in the division tragic number. So tragic is a little bit of a dramatic word for that. Right. <laughs> but it, but it that, does that rhyme act- with magic. Right, and Vegas is actually, I guess they win the tiebreaker with Carolina, so they are the president's trophy in situ right now. Yeah, all they, they've got it on points percentage. I mean, Carolina play Nashville for their final game, I think, tomorrow, uh, Monday. Um, so we'll, we'll see who ends up taking that one, because like we, like we said at the, at, the, at the top of this little segment, if Colorado win every game this week, they get six points, they have... 82 points and at least 32 regulation wins, which nobody in the running for the presidents can, can beat. So I think it's interesting that some of these teams are playing their playoff opponent as their last regular season, like Carolina, Nashville and, and the Tampa and Florida. And then Toronto just played the Habs, but they do have someone different to finish their season. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Tampa, Florida is a really interesting matchup. I'm really curious to see how that goes. Yeah, especially since you have the defending champs versus probably the team that made the biggest jump this year was Florida. Yeah. I'm I'm suspicious that at the two-hour mark of this recording, we've lost Earl. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> oh, there you are. Okay. Uh, he just doesn't care about Florida. <laughs> no, I just had... I... <clears throat> I haven't watched them enough to, to form an opinion. I mean, I, I watched one game since they got Bennett, and he looks so much better than he did in Cal- Calgary. I mean, it doesn't even look like the same player. Huh, that's interesting. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I kind of thought the Q was washed up as a coach, and that he he might have something still. <laughs> w- yes, when he we'll has see. a goalie. <laughs> right when he has a goalie who's not a 10 million dollar yeah. shooter tutor 
<laughs> but that that really is the key for the Avs. That's what it comes down to. Just win your games, LOL. That easy. Yeah. And uh, if they end up finishing one point out of the division lead and we're looking back at that disaster cough up against San Jose going, man, what could have been? You can look at their three-game losing streak before this winning streak started. I mean, there's, you know, any point, obviously, during this season would have avoided that. But You can look at the time um, the Avs put three pucks in the net and lost 2-1 to the Coyotes. <laughs> like... There's, right. there's always lots of moments like that, but that one right at the end, like anything that's right at the end is going to be in the memory and it's going to burn. Yeah. So. But ultimately, I don't think it's like that big of a difference. It's not like the difference between getting Vegas in the first round or not. So right, it's right, all right. just kind of, you know, they, they got to, they got to play their game and, and win in the playoffs. So. And and that's for sure, but the most likely scenario here is the team that comes out of the West on top will have home ice, period. Like, all the yeah. way, through, well, the, that all the way cool. through the cup final. So, yeah. Like, it's, it's possible that Carolina hangs on and gets this President's Trophy here, but, I mean, Vegas have two games to get at least two points. And, and then they yeah. clinch it, pretty much. So, so yeah, that's that's where we're at as we come into this final week. Thank God, finally, of this just slog of a season. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I truly am. Yeah. I'm, like, mentally exhausted. Thank I know. I, I really goodness. wish, like, I, I usually hate when you get, like, three or five even days off after the season before the playoffs begin, but it's like, that would be so nice now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to unwind and, and sort of look back at the season and prep yourself for the playoffs. And, and you know, I think at best they're going to get two days between um, the final game against L.A. and whenever they start against whoever, which will probably be that Sunday. Here's another decision to be made. If uh, if Colorado don't get a regulation win over Vegas, how much are we resting guys against L.A.? Well, I think you still want home ice versus Minnesota. So, I mean, you, you want to at least try to get that, even though I don't, you know, personally, I don't think it makes a big difference. Um, it's just, it's, you know, I don't think you'd throw games. I don't think you'd put in, like, Dry's Tyne and Magna as your top liner. Well, um, they could never bring that many guys up for it anyway. But um, <laughs> it's always like a sliding scale of, like, okay, well, someone's banged up, but how how much? And we just don't know that. Right. But I, I, I think mean, you do make a good I, point that they're still going to care about finishing ahead of Minnesota. Just yeah. for the whole, I the home ice, which you know, whatever. But I think optically too, you can't have talk about them being like cup contenders and then they end up third in their division. It's just a little sad, I, right? I, again, I think that says a lot more about the division than it does anything else. Like three of the top teams in the league are right here, and and then right. there's and also five played, other teams. And Minnesota's played really well <laughs> to even be in that position that they could even get up to second yeah, yeah minnesota have that kind of like cursed duo right now where they are pretty good not great but pretty good 
and they're getting lucky on top of it. So it's like, yeah. It's like things they're... are just going their way, and they're giving themselves a lot of opportunities for things to go their way, but they're just going their way. Yeah, I mean, you look at this... Right, you look at this week, and like both Vegas and the Avs have like 97 PDOs, and then Minnesota's up around 101. Um, you know, and it's... <clears throat> It's one of those things where they've shot at a very high percentage all year, and that's you know that's their strategy. I mean, it's it's I don't want to say it's sustainable, but it's something that that that's something that they play for. Um, and you know whether you think that's a, a good strategy or not is it's you know it is what it is, but it's it's worked for them this year. Well, they they um, finally have got the one thing they've never had, which is goal scoring. Right. From this Calder Trophy winner, right? And they, you know, th- their goaltending has been iffy <laughs> for a while, um, and it's you, you wonder, like Cam Talbot, like, all right, is is that like for real? Is he going to be a real playoff winning goalie? And you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it, but they're a team I could see coming back down to earth. You know, kind of like Dallas did this year. Um, I don't think they'd come yeah. down as far as Dallas did unless they had a similar situation like Tyler Sagan missing the whole season. Um, right. But some, yeah. I, I, I think they've benefited playing in a division that kind of suits their style, um, i.e. a lot of bad teams. Yeah, I don't um, I don't think they're 20 <laughs> points better than the Blues. Yeah. And they're going to finish 20 points better than the Blues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, again, like, like I said many times, I, I think it's going to be very interesting next year when we go back to playing the, the, the regular NHL schedule where you play all the teams and you, you're back in your central division where everybody's sort of um, got diverse styles and things like that. Um, We're going to see Winnipeg again. Yeah. <laughs> And Nashville and Dallas and all our favorite teams. Yeah, Chicago with no defense. <laughs> Let's... Yeah. But, it, you know, it, I, I think the Central Division's fun just because you, you, you do have... Each team does have a personality. And the, they're they're all different. And, and this year, you're not getting a lot of that in, in the West. Um, so... I think results for for any team, either the Central this year or the West this year, could be a lot different next year in the reunited Central. So I need another audio reset, or we can just get last words from from Jackie and call it a show. Okay. Wow, pressure on me. Last thoughts. Wow. Okay, I didn't have anything prepared there. Uh, Just win. Baby. (laughs) <laughs> get healthy just win period baby period title of show um so when our next show will drop will depend on when the playoffs start right now the rumor is that we're looking at probably kind of a sunday maybe maybe sunday matinee kind of start which would be cool by me it would mean a saturday recording and release for us if you want to catch up with uh all of our playoffs and predictions and stuff before game one. Um, it will release the day before game one. It's just what time is going to depend on what day that happens to be. 
if they play on Saturday, we're going to record on Friday evening and push it, and you're probably not going to have a whole lot of time to listen to the show before game one. That would be the universe to... But it'll still to, be good. Yeah, it'll be awesome. And it'll be correct, of course. Um, <laughs> but we'll we'll get our full playoffs preview out there before a playoffs game happens. And uh, at least for the Avalanche, I don't know if other if other divisions may start a little earlier. Um, like, I think the East is pretty much done, right? I think so. Apart from yeah. Carolina's got a Monday. So, um, anyway, you'll hear from us sometime next weekend probably either friday or saturday depending on when the avs game one of the playoffs is let's go you're trying to get in the outro of the show but jokes on you i had i have to stop recording while i do that <laughs> that so, might be worth saying again so later. so nobody nobody but us was subject to that pun and that's how it's gonna stay am i crackly and poppy or are we good no, i think you're we're good. good okay